Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan. I've got Pat on the line. It is 12.10 Eastern time. I am way too amped up to sleep. Even if the game sucked ass for so many stretches of the game, there is no way that I couldn't get on the horn to record with Pat uh, after the Washington football team just beat the New York Giants by, I don't even know what the final score was. I just know that Washington 30-29. There you go. 30, Thank you very much. Uh, thanks to two game, game-winning game attempts by Dustin Hopkins at the end. Uh, things in large part to the self-flagellation that took place all evening um, by the New York Giants. I'm, I'm going to stop talking now and have a couple sips of the post-game beverage, namely beer that I've opened up, thanks to Pat's suggestion, and turn it over to you, Pat. Yeah, talk about a game with nine lives. Uh, I went to, I, I switched to scotch. <laughs> Good man. Uh, they, I mean, the beauty of all this is, and for those listening, I'm going to be a little quiet because I got a lot going on in my house right now. But they, um, they had the touchdown called back on the Daniel Jones uh, touchdown run, which credits my friend Chester. I like honestly don't think our defense understands that Daniel Jones could run because this is like the fourth game he's burned us on that damn. Uh, Quarterback keeper, the uh, what do they call it? The freaking I've had too much training. RPO, what it's called? RPO. There we go. Yep. Um, so that gets called back. back. We hold we, that gets called back. We hold him to a field goal, four points. Um, Slayton just <laughs> drops. Maybe the easiest touchdown pass he'll, catch he'll ever have in his NFL career uh, dropped. And then my favorite part, the icing on the cake is, and we can get to Scott Turner in a little bit because I was pissed off. I literally said before the before the pick i was like if we're throwing the ball here i'm gonna be pissed and then of course we threw the pick but joe judge i said last week i think the players hate him and you were like maybe not and you know I, neither one of us know but here's the, here's the reality he's won what five games as a head coach in the nfl he was brought in as a special teams coordinator and his team lost the game because special their special teams. teams was offsides you know i gotta tell you uh you deserve the W on that one. So I drank, I should know better, especially as much as I hate the Giants. And as people who know me know, um, I hate the Cowboys as much as I hate Al-Qaeda slash the Taliban, how much I hate air conditioning, which is the same level. I hate the Dallas Cowboys at all, at that extreme of a level, right? But the New York Giants are really damn close. Really, 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 really close in my overall hatred scale on the NFL spectrum, right? So I've learned that the need, the general national media as a whole, for whatever reason, will continue to coddle the Giants and just never say anything bad because God forbid, as I've said many times, you can never say anything bad about the Mara family and anything they do. So I bought into this whole narrative like, oh, Judge Joe Judge is culture and he's changing the baby. The people, players love him there and hard nose. No, it's all bullshit. It's all horseshit. I don't think that guy knows how to coach. Uh, tonight was an exercise in self-flagellation for the Giants. The Giants had every opportunity to win that game. My dad has a phrase he likes to use. He goes, we are, we are handing them the game and saying, we don't want to win today. You please win today. I don't want to. And we gave them every opportunity to do so, and they handed it right back to us. That was an embarrassing performance. And if you're a Giants fan, uh, that should be pretty wretched to you, considering you had every opportunity and you should have won this game tonight. You were for the vast majority of the game, the better team. And if the better team loses, then were you a, we're the better team and B that speaks a lot to the organization of the details and the, and the orientation to the details of your, of your leadership. Yeah. I mean, by the way, there were a couple of times when they zoomed in on Ron's face on the sideline and I was like, God, the defense is going to get torched in practice next week. As they should. You could just see, you could just see he wanted to kill somebody. Um, 
Like our team has a lot of problems, right? Like we said it in the preseason. We said it after last week, and I'll say it again. Like if we're going to be a good team, that defense has to be the leader, right? The only player on that defense that's played any sort of good football is John Allen, who has three sacks in uh, six quarters. Um, outside of that, everyone's been terrible, literally terrible. I would but if we just jump to the chase. I won't say terrible, but I think Chase, Sweat, and Payne have not lived up to the the level of play that they were playing at the second half of last year. Uh, the linebackers are a certified diaper filled with rancid Indian food on fire level of putridity that they are just uh, outside of Cole Holcomb. I give him a slight pass. He ain't good, but I'm going to give him a slight pass in comparison to the other guys. Um, William Jackson. Now I see why the Cincinnati Bengals fans were like, have him, take him. not interested. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord's put you good riddance. Uh, Landon Collins had a very, you know, couple of certified 2019, 2020 Collins. moments. Collins has got to go. He doesn't have the speed to play anymore. Uh, it's either he's either a linebacker or get him out of the game. But I thought I, 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 I won't hammer, I won't call them garbage yet in terms of like Sweat and Young and the way they played over the first couple of games. It ain't good. Don't get, don't, let's not get it wrong. It ain't good, but, um, you know, it could be worse. It could be John Bostic. I think Bostic got benched in the first half, he disappeared. And then the second half, he had oh, no, that, no, like, he tackle did, for he, loss. He made a couple he had a tackle of... for loss in the second. In the second half, he had a tackle for loss for like 10 yards. But I'm pretty sure at the end of the first half, he came off the field for an extended period of time. But I also think we may have switched to the 5-2 that we've been talking about. And I think they took him off and it was Holcomb and uh, and Davis. Davis, I mean, I don't know how well he played. He didn't really pop, but like he made the one play he needed to, <laughs> he needed to make in the red zone. So I'll give him a pass. Um, but look, this defense, I don't know what Del Rio is doing. It was the amount of times on third down, we just rushed forward. No one got home against a terrible offensive line. Look, and I tweeted this from our account. I don't care where you're drafted. I love Chase Young. I love Montez Sweat. Payne's my fair player on the team. If you want to be that hyped and you want to talk about how great you are and you want to talk about look what we did last year, if Del Rio trusts you to rush forward, you got to get home. If they're not working, it's on Del Rio to fix that and start bringing pressure. The only time we stopped them was when we brought pressure. Fuller had a sack. Um, we, uh, on the third down and whatever it was, when we forced the kick at the two minute warning to get the ball back, when they took the lead, we blitzed on third down, stopped him. And you know why we got the ball back? Because that blitz got the ball out of Daniel Jones hands immediately. Early. And our corners were able to come up and get the ball. So like the amount of times they're sitting at third and seven, third and 10, they converted a third and 15. Like um, we can't just sit there and rush three people, four people on the third and 15, uh, late in the third quarter, I think, or fourth quarter, the 55-yard field goal, they were nowhere near field goal range. We rushed three people. All three fell down. Chase, Sweat, and Allen all fell down, and uh, Jones was able to run for like 12 yards, and they kicked a 55-yard field goal because of it. First play of that drive, Shepard wide open for 22 yards because Bostic fell down in coverage. I don't care if the, the, the turf sucks at FedEx Field. We all know that the turf Dude, sucks. McKissick, McKissick, needs, McKissick needs new cleats, by the way. But, Shepard was wide open. There was no one within three square miles of him. And the only one that should have been was John Boss. I saw, you saw Bossick fall down right at the start and you're like, fuck, that's, that's going to happen. Uh, there's, there's, there's a couple of notes I have on him, but that was the first one. Um, yeah. Uh, and you, you mentioned that they went backwards. Um, Chase Young, I, I did enjoy, I know he tackled the wrong guy, but when he blew up Saquon Barkley on that RPO and like completely body slammed him with only to realize he didn't have yeah. the ball. I enjoyed that quite a bit just because, uh, can we get one thing out of Saquon Barkley out of the way? Uh, Saquon Barkley 
is a shell of Saquon Barkley. He's maybe a shell of a shell of Saquon he Barkley. He looked like, do you remember when RG3 came back in 2012 for those last two games of the season? And he looked like he was running around carrying a piano on his back, like in the Giants game. And I think the, excuse me, the Cowboys game and maybe the game before that, or I don't know if he played the game before that, but basically he was running against the Cowboys in the, in the Seattle game. It looked like he was laboring. Barkley looked like that. I don't know if it's rust. I don't know if he's still coming, if he's still working himself back from the ACL. He looked awful. He looked extremely pedestrian. So just want to put that out there. Yeah, and of course, I don't think at, he looked that bad. I, I just think he's, I just there's think there's nothing he's special about him. I think, I mean, he's, look, when Saquon came to the league, he's healthy. He was one of the best, if not the best running back in the league. Uh, so he, of course, he's a shell of that, but I don't think he was that bad. I don't think he was any better than He did. He busted a 50-yard run on us. Yeah, that one run. I think any running back could have made that run. I don't think there's anything better about Devontae Booker than or anything better than him that they could have gotten from Devontae Booker. But that's my bias. That notwithstanding, uh, other point I had was, of course, Graham Gano is going to come in here and start channeling his inner Chipolo Miller or whatever. Dude, he's made 35 field goals in a row. Just kicking the living shit out of the ball, of course. Um, uh, oh, no, Gano. right everything was gano and when he was here and like all of a sudden he's you know a kicking machine um if you had to rank the top five plays made by any member of the washington organization whether they're the football team or the redskins where does that ricky seals catch rank up there dude i ricky seals jones i was watching i was yeah i was watching my with my wife and my and my mom and we're sitting here and i'm I'm standing up i'm pacing back and forth i'm glad you brought that play up what does it rank all time? Below Santana and Dallas. No, no, uh, I mean, like the last couple Heineke. of years. Yeah. Santana below, and Dallas. Below, and... below Heineke and below Heineke and Tampa with his dive. Um, but let me – that play, there's two plays. So there's two things that – I'm just going to jump right to Heineke because, like – Yeah, do it. We have to talk about it immediately. Yep. He's QB1. He is, for the rest of the season, QB1, regardless if we're good or bad. He has to play. And that play is an example of QB1 to me. Why? What do I mean by that? One, we're on like the, what, 19-yard line, 20-yard line before that play. We just hit McKissick on a wheel route for like 60 yards, which was a dime 56. in its own right. Good quarterbacks allow their, allow their players around them to make plays. Heineke was in the pocket. He didn't have anywhere to go, and he said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to throw it where only he can catch it, and I'm going to give him a chance to make that play. The ball was perfectly placed. I still don't understand how Jones got freaking both feet down, but he did. He held on the ball. I thought they were, when they showed the replay, he took one hand off, and it was almost a Calvin Johnson situation, and I got very scared, but they didn't even review it, so whatever. But that play, I was like literally jumping up and down because we scored in 40 seconds. Uh, and I was screaming, Heineke, QB1, QB1, QB1. Then he throws the god-awful pick, which I was pissed off about because we should have been running the ball. Yep. So QB1 makes plays. QB1 shakes off horrible mistakes. He gets the ball right back with one timeout, two minutes, and we go right down the field, and he doesn't look phased at all. So one of the things I was – ODU, ODU didn't even have a program when I was growing up. I lived – I could hit a baseball. I could hit their stadium with a baseball from my house growing up. They didn't have a program. Then they got Heineke, and now it was QB1, and I'm pumped. I just can't scream right now. I, uh, we turn on the, we turn on the game. Um, excuse me, we turn on the broadcast right around eight o'clock. My dad and I, when we were watching the game and, um, 
And I was sort of watching a portion of the stupid pregame show, which are, you know, just they're, they're, they're God awful. And I, I was subjected to Michael Irvin. I'm going to talk about it in a moment because I found myself in a very, very dark and terrifying place because I was agreeing with some of the stuff he was saying. And I, I, Dude, I he's, he's actually pretty, he's actually pretty good on that show. Uh, tonight he was good. I, I won't go that far, but let's that putting that aside. Um, in the pregame show, the woman who was the anchor, I don't remember her name, but she was, she had this interview with Terry McLaurin, or maybe it was the sideline reporter. I don't know. It was somebody. And she was making, she, they posted this quote about Terry McLaurin basically saying that Heineke plays like a point guard. He facilitates the offense. He gets the ball in people's hands. And one of the things that jumped out to me, look at the distribution of the football tonight. You, you mentioned the fact before we started recording that Heineke had like 50 attempts or something like that, right? Look at this. McLaurin had 14 targets. We know that he caught a lot of balls, obviously. Adam Humphreys, eight targets. Logan Thomas, seven targets. Deami Brown, six targets. J.D. McKissick had six targets. And of course, Antonio Gibson had a couple. And then the Ricky Zeal Jones, the one target, one catch that we just discussed, right? The distribution of the ball. It's not like you're just funnel, you know, funneling it tunnel vision into one guy. He's getting the ball in everybody's hands. Everybody had a chance to pop to do something tonight and by and large, a lot of guys made plays and as a, as a function of Heineke putting them in position to make plays. I don't know if you remember this, but um, a few years ago, we played the Giants on, I don't know, if it was Thursday night or Sunday night, whatever it was. We were playing in, we were playing in, uh, in the middle lanes. Um, it was one of, it was Cousins' first full year starter, I think. Um, so but a lot, all the talk about Cousins, all the talk about Cousins was he's really good pre-snap. And he was really good at like he knows where he's going to throw the ball before, before the snap. And I remember that because the Giants. I remember the Giants players being like, "We're going to jump routes because like he may identify where he's going to go, but as soon as the ball snapped, like his mind goes blank. That's where the ball's going." I bring that up for a reason because if you look at what Terry McLaurin said about Heineke this past week, he said one of the things that Taylor's really good about is he will recognize the defense pre-snap and he'll understand where he's going to go with the ball, but. He won't throw it unless he reads what he wants to read. So, like, I think he's still processing yep. even after the ball is snapped. And what I think is – so I, I went back and reread this article from this old ODU coach, uh, Brian Wilder. He used to be the head coach uh, at ODU. He was, he was Heineke's head coach there. And one of the things he said that I, was, that I thought was interesting was he said, Taylor will take his chances, but he understands that check down is still going to move the ball. So you saw a lot of times where Heinke like would look downfield. If it wasn't there, he's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to pick up my four yards and hit McKissick. There was a play. He was in the pocket, went through his reads, nothing there. And then he had Humphreys out in the flat, threw to him eight yards. Boom, bing, bang, boom. Ball's still moving. That's okay. There was a lot of and you don't go broke taking a profit type of plays. Yes. Yeah. But you know when he did go from broke is when he had his tight end one-on-one in the freaking back right of the end zone and said, I, I got this. God, I'm going to fucking throw And Aikman – Aikman made a, a point that you that you are that you're confirming or the the quote that you're referencing confirms right when he was talking about that uh, I think it was second quarter when he that that seam route that Logan Thomas was running when the safety broke out and he saw that he's like all right he saw the coverage I think it was too high or they masked it to look like single high or something but then they rotated the safeties and then when the safety broke towards the the, the sideline meaning Logan Thomas had the middle of the seam the seam the seam wide open. Uh, Heineke knew to throw it there. So it wasn't just a matter of predetermine your read, hope it gets open, and then, oh, shit. It's a matter of predetermine your read potentially, but then you see how everything's going, and then you know where you're actually supposed to go with the ball. So confirming everything you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I just like – the other thing, I mean, Heineken, 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 Heineken threw the ball 46 times today. That's way too many. Right, we need, Gibson needs the ball 20 times a game. 
Although I did say in our last podcast, the, the offense needs to go through Terry. He had 10 catches and we won, just saying. Um, surprising how that works. That surprised me. Yeah, the, the thing that surprised me the most is Heineke won that game with his arm. Did he run one time? Like last week we talked about one scramble, I think, help. one or two. He, we talked about last week we talked about him helping the offensive line because he can move. All leading up, even Giants players are like, we know he can run. I don't remember him breaking the pocket one time. I mean, like the first two series when he was running for his life because our offensive line sucked. But for the most part, the offensive line got better, and then he had time to throw the ball, and he's you know he's going through his rings, boom, boom, boom. Zach, one I time mean, he, tonight, he, and that won, was that, the he won that game. He won that game with his arm. Uh, he was also Cosme. Cosme destroyed that dude with his helmet. <laughs> Got a flagrant foul for it. Uh, that that uh, I wanted to go back and that personal foul that he had that that killed another driver. That was that was just another backbreaker. Um, too much self-flagellation tonight. The, I mean, you know, I made the comment that the Giants were the better team. So going back, finishing my Michael Irvin thought. Michael Irvin said two things, which are not profound, but they were accurate. Um, one was so he made this point in the I think it was at halftime, where he was like you do realize that once Jason, cause like the giants came out like a house of fire, right? Like they were just moving the ball up and down the field in the first quarter, like the first half of the first quarter he goes, you do realize that once Jason Garrett gets out of his first 15 plays, he has no idea what he's doing after that. And that's where you see real Jason Garrett. I'm like, that's kind of true. That's actually what happened where they, once the script, his first 15 scripted plays were gone, the giants often started to fizzle out. Granted, they picked up a lot of steam again in the third quarter, which is a bad habit for us. We're letting a lot of teams to kind of reignite themselves in the third quarter. The chargers did that too. But it was very much like in the second quarter, they just shit the bed because they had no idea what to do afterwards. And that's when we started catching up. And then number two, Irvin made the comment about the fact that like, you know, if you allow a team to have more penalties than you, then more turnovers than you, and you still lose, that just speaks to coaching to your point about Joe Judge. So I can't believe. I still can't believe. I still can't believe they were offsides in that field goal. Stupid can you be? Just you don't you you almost don't even try to block that. You almost tell them to, st- to stand there. Also, the way they burned their timeouts in the last two minutes was a joke. Like their 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 clock management, the dudes running on and off the field. I mean, that just speaks to the the organization of details, right? It's yeah. right. I actually thought Ron managed his timeouts perfectly tonight. And another thing that we'll get overlooked is Heineke never once was was in trouble with the play clock. Like we were just kind of a well-oiled machine coming in. And he didn't get flustered. He didn't force it in that two minute, one minute, whatever drill you want to call it. Right. The moment was not too big for him. No. I mean, which we should have known because he went up against Tom Brady in the playoffs and almost beat him. Um, But you could call that like as a devil's advocate. They asked him after the game. You think he was just, he's like, fuck it. I might never play again. (laughs) Well, it's or or the fact that it's like they knew nothing about him. There was no tape at all on him, short of garbage time in the fourth quarter in that ugly game against Carolina, right? In that game, there was nothing. Now you had at least that game plus the garbage time in the fourth quarter, right? There's a little more tape on him, and there's going to be more and more tape as we discussed in our last episode. But you know, he could play more tape, but now it's on Scott to keep adapting. I mean, like I thought Scott did a really good job today. Um, Terry was open a lot. He was clearly, it could be a function of Heineke just being in there, but like Terry was clearly the uh, benefactor of like Scott being like, I'm going to get you the ball. Um, you know, Brown was better today. He had that sick catch in the first quarter that kind of settled Heineke down. Tonight was um, the first night where Scott started to dip into all the different golf clubs in his back, right? 
we and we, we, and we still don't have and we still don't have Curtis Samuels for the record. Like this offense could in theory get better. We're not getting Curtis. My only problem, my, that's fine. My only problem with my only problem with Scott was the two minutes and twenty two seconds left. They have two timeouts. It's second and seven, and I I kind of understand like yeah I wasn't going to crush him as much. That as was everybody a very else. That was a very Kyle Shanahan call where he was like, you know what, everyone thinks we're going to run, and I'm just going to go for the win. Which my buddy and I, Chester, we were kind of arguing about this. He was like, that's on that's on Heineke, and I said, no, that's on Scott. Like, you have a journeyman; he's made three starts. Just give Gibson the ball, like, get the hell out of the way. I tend but to. But I with also your understand, friend. like, yeah, yeah. I also like you got to respect him going for the win. Plus, that was just a bad like. Don't call a comeback route five yards away from the line of scrimmage when you're 20 yards away from your own end zone. And you're going to throw the ball. And Devil's make, Advocate was a good – Give him a bootleg. It was a good play by Bradbury too. It was. I mean, he's a good sure, corner. But, like, if you're going to throw the ball, bootleg it. Like, at least make it appear. We, we lined up in shotgun. Yeah. There was a lot of shotgun draw. So, some of the play calling was very – it was a little repetitive and vanilla and things like that. And that I will, I will get on Scott a little bit. It was a lot of, like – on third and one, like the third and one shotgun draw kills me. And I'm like, what is this? Like, you have to get three yeah, but, feet you know, and you're starting McKissick, out you know, kid, three McKissick, feet behind. McKissick runs that pretty well. Gibson does not. Right. But that's McKissick is a dude who operates in space. And Gibson is a dude who has bulk and size and speed. Yeah. Uh, well, I, thought McKissick, I thought Gibson. McKissick isn't that bad. I think he's small enough. He just kind of disappears behind those lines. Um, Gibson, if the fantasy football types will look at his stat line and be like, oh, it wasn't that great. Gibson played great tonight. Second straight week, I'll say that Gibson played well. He runs so hard. Um, it's, it is, it is genuinely uh, like, I think it was somewhere in the second or third quarter when he had like 10 carries for 50 yards. So that was his official stat line. I'm like, that's it. Like you could have convinced me it was double that. Uh, he was doing a great, he is exactly what you want to call those body blows that you know, yeah, his first down play. run right before the pick, he got hit six yards and he carried that guy five. Another five. He ran right through him. Yeah. yeah he ran right through him. He, uh, you've said it countless times, and I'm just echoing what you said that like he always falls forward. forward. He always picks up extra yards after the first hit. Um, it's, it's just, he's, I've said it myself so many times. He's just a joy to watch running. And, uh, and I do like the way that in certain cases, like when we got the ball back after the defense, uh, held them out. Excuse me, when we got the ball after Seals Jones caught the touchdown pass going through my notes. Um, and I think we got the ball back. And yeah, fourth and two. No, sorry, I'm looking at the I'm, I'm going backwards here. Anyway, we got the ball back and they started. I was like, all right, now we have the chance to kind of put the Giants on the ropes and we can end the game, obviously, until the interception. Yeah, man, that pick was brutal. That was a even more punch. brutal because because when when the Giants punted, I literally said, You guys are cowards. We also should have gone for it on fourth and three uh, to make it a 23-20 game. Uh, we should have gone for it. I will I will always stand by going for it. I, I, I think Heineke's so good now that, like, anytime we run out that field goal unit under five yards, I'm like, fuck it, just go for it. <laughs> it's just – it's incredible to watch. It's just amazing to think of the fact that, like, how comfortable you feel with him at quarterback. It's – um. Yeah. I remember when we signed him, I was like, oh, my God, we signed Taylor Heineke. He's like, Taylor Heineke in Norfolk, where I'm from, is a folk hero. I mean, this dude threw for 15,000 yards in college and, you know, a bazillion touchdowns and led ODU from – first off, ODU didn't have a program. 
Then they went to FCS, and then he led them all the way to Division One. He's a folk hero in Norfolk. And then to have Norfolk, a Norfolk quarterback. And by the way, Norfolk is like 100% Redskins territory. Oh, yeah. Virginia all Beach, of a sudden, totally. All of a, yeah, all of a sudden, he's our quarterback. I remember when we signed him, I was like, oh, that's entertaining. Like, that's cool. And then when he came in and balled out, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's got to play. So the drive and now, now he, he's our quarterback. He is literally our quarterback for the next five years. A drive right after uh, the Seals Jones touchdown. Um, uh, so is that pass to Rudolph where he beat Cole, uh, Cole Holcomb? Um, Barkley had maybe a yard, and then um, Brandon St. Just. Brandon St. Just, yeah, he had that really nice yeah. breakup on Slayton. Um, and then there was a play where Jones broke the pocket, and Slayton ca- caught it, but he was falling out of bounds. And Jones is getting chased by Chase. Uh, was getting chased by Chase Young, no pun intended. And then the best part of that entire drive was when the Giants punted, first punt in seven possessions, as we referenced. I love it. It it, it warmed the cold, bitter, dark heart corners of my heart to see Kenny Galladay barking at, at, at Daniel Jones on the sideline. I enjoyed that montage. Oh yeah, he was going at him. I, he was going at him. I enjoyed that quite a bit. And uh, and then that was followed. The ensuing drive was followed by uh, Gibson twelve yards, Gibson three yards, and then the Taylor Heineke interception. What's amazing about that interception and then ultimately Heineke, you know, leading us all the way down the field to kick the field goal is it overshadows so much of what he did in that second half. Literally, actually, from like the end of the first quarter on, the first touchdown drive, he was throwing dime after dime after dime. And then, you know, read the defense perfectly and hit McLaurin with a little slant in route type deal for the touchdown. But like the thing that's the thing that I hope people don't forget is the two minute drill at the end of the first half. One is that game. We got the ball back four minutes, and he was on top, throwing throwing dimes. The 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 seam route to to Logan Thomas was sick, and then when he got us down, I think it was third and two with like nineteen seconds left or whatever. You know he audibled out of the the pass to yeah. run to McKissick. That was I heard that he did that. Yeah. And it was smart too, because they stacked the entire right side of our offense. And so Leno, like Flowers had the seal block, I think of Dexter Lawrence on the inside. And Leno basically just had to beat the edge rusher or just shove the edge rusher out of the way. And McKissick walked in untouched. Untouched. Uh, Heineke's halftime stat line was 17 of 21 for 162 yards. Um, Yeah. And then I made a comment in my notes. I was like, Steve Smith, I was like, classic football brainless cliche saying, oh, the Giants need to give the ball more to Saquon Barkley. And I'm like, you clearly have not watched this game whatsoever, thinking that the Giants Dude, giving the ball point, to Saquon Barkley was a good idea. At one point, shout out to my buddies in the booth. So I don't know who, who pointed this out, but it was so spot on. At one point, they showed, you know how they have the quarterback stat line in the bottom right for pretty much after every pass? Yep. He had 178 yards, one touchdown, no picks. He had the Alex Smith stat line at one point, on point. It was like sometime, probably sometime in the early third quarter, maybe. He had 170 yards, one touchdown, and no picks. I started to sh- just started to put my notes together for the post game pod. I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to record tonight, so I was like, I might just do a quick 10 minutes if 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 um if you weren't able to. And I said, I right before the drive of the interception, he, uh, Heineke was 28 of 36 for 300 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's just done. Right, you know we've we've scored thirty points once each of the last three seasons. I think he's made one start this year, and we hit thirty. Granted, it's against a bad defense, but facts are facts. Dude, I don't care. I don't care who's against. Yeah, this dude's made three starts. He's twenty eight years old. Was taking 
getting a master's in math at Old Dominion last year. And now he's leading us to 30 points a game. You referenced the two-minute drill. Uh, I have it in my notes. Seven for seven on that drive for 46 yards. Yeah, he was dialing it up. And then he freaking audibled into the touchdown. And it was before that he had the nice pass to Deami Brown, the slant to Terry McLaurin that goes for 16 yards. Um, he had a dump off to McKissick before that. I mean, it's just it's just smart play after smart play, right? He's technically one and zero as a starter because the playoff game doesn't technically count. That drive is a microcosm of the distribution. Uh, he passed to um, Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas, Antonio, um, excuse me, Adam Humphreys, J.D. McKissick. Uh, Logan Thomas, no, I said Logan Thomas, uh, Deami Brown, and Terry McLaurin. They all caught passes in the two-minute drill drive. He's amazing. You know, he he does tend to miss high. He was uh, high. His, 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 early, his pitches were high game, tonight. Early in the game, he was he was throwing some high heat. But he, he settled down slowly but surely. I just like, look, this is, let's just, let's, let's just call it out. Taylor Heineke has huge nuts. <laughs> he has Cojones grandes, very much huge, so. right? I yes. mean, largas, man. Now we um, got ten days to prep for the prep for the Bills. Let's go. Yeah, uh, be nice extra long weekend for them, um, especially coming off a win and putting the Giants at zero and two. Oh, that's so that's so nice. Uh, as I mentioned, I have a... I, I, go ahead. Go for it. Uh, I, all I was going to say was. I don't know. I think the Eagles play the 49ers this weekend, and I think the Cowboys have the Chargers. Cowboys have the Chargers. Um, so there's a real world where we're sitting – because we beat the Giants, we will be atop of the division. The Eagles do have the Cowboys. Excuse I me, the Eagles do have the 49ers, although it's in Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, they played really well last week, so maybe they're a surprising team. But no. Shanahan has a full, pretty much healthy roster, and that's that team's scary. And also Atlanta's garbage. Um that's not. I also, to be I, also hate, I also hate Shanahan, but like the dude can coach his ass off. I think Han- Shanahan's one of those dudes who's extremely intelligent. He just knows it. And that's why he kind of comes yeah, off as a prick. Oh, yeah. His stupid flat brim on the side, on the Vogan sideline. Like, I hate him. But like, our offense hummed when he was our coordinator, even with Rex Grossman. He, it hummed in the text with the Texans, even when he had Matt Schaub playing quarterback. The only, the only place where he didn't have a very good offense was the Browns. And, like, let's be honest, it's the Browns. And he had men's hill. And it was also one of the better offenses that they had until, like, the resurrection of the team right now. Um, there's a great video. I'll try to share it on our on our, on our our uh, Twitter site. I mentioned this dude um, who does YouTube All-22 analysis. And he, I was talking about when we did the preseason preview with Chase Young. He did something on the Brandon Staley defense. And he was talking about the way they use their alignments and the rotate the safeties and like create a bunch of confusion. And if you watch the clips that we were showing last year, what he did with the Rams, he did the same shit with the chargers against us. Like I was watching him and I was watching Mark Bullock's clips of like the game against us. And I was like, Holy shit. He pulled the same stuff. And I'm like, point of where I'm going with this is like the chargers might be really good this year. Like they could seriously, yeah. we, we could be looking back well, and hopefully be like, they, okay. Hopefully they beat the shit out of Dallas. I, I'd be more than happy with that. Um, Long week heading into uh, – extra long weekend heading into the game against Buffalo. Uh, who does Buffalo play this weekend? Let's pull that up real quick. I don't have anybody in Buffalo on my fantasy team, so I don't know. Uh, Buffalo plays Miami, so that's a good good matchup for them in Miami. They, I don't want an 0-2 Buffalo team. Yeah, you don't want an 0-2 I'd rather, Buffalo team. I'd rather, rather and one teams traveling to South Florida early in the season tend to struggle a little bit just because it's so bloody humid over there. 
Um, so, and also to the fact it's, I was thinking about the, the game against Buffalo, uh, we have struggled against mobile quarterbacks or mobile athletic quarterbacks. And Josh Allen is a pretty good personification of both of them. So it's, it's 1245 your time. Yes. Um, so I will, I will give some final thoughts just to spare Do you some, some time. I really think I, we have something with Heineke. He's got to prove it over a long period of time. He's still small. This is the first start he's ever made or in the NFL game he's ever played where he hasn't been hurt, at least that we know of. Um, I truly believe he'll give us a chance to win, like a lot of games. But if we're going to be good and we're going to win this division, I don't know what Del Rio's doing over there, but he needs to get his he needs to get out of his ass and start coaching that defense because they are not living up to hype. And like Chase Young, go be in commercials, go be on, you know, the Sunday night, the the Carrie Underwood Sunday night video. Like go do that stuff. Go be on the price is right. But like if you're gonna do it, show up. Because the only part of that defense that's showing up is John Allen. And it's time those boys start balling out. Otherwise we're otherwise we're gonna be like six and 11. I almost said 6 to 10. Um, Defense needs to show its happy ass. Special, special teams, done their job two weeks in a row. Offense, bail us out today. Defense, where you at? I thought DeAndre Carter was, a stupid, was a stupid uh, roster addition before it happened, and then I've seen him return kicks of the last two weeks. I am 100% wrong. He's been great as a returner. Yeah. He looks fly mm. in the number one all white. Yes, he looks very That's good. That's a guy. Yeah. He had a little, he had a little Vince Young Texas uniform, like looked uh, good in his uni vibe. And there was that one play that Aikman was pointing out that I'm also sure he's not a real person. <laughs> that uh, I think Heineke connected with Diami Brown, but he was like the the route was actually designed for Carter to kind of go up the seam, and he was kind of wide open. But I mean, Heineke still made a play, but they were like it could have been a bigger one. That's picking nits, but um, they also ran they ran a trap to Carter, which was actually a pretty cool play design. It was a fake jet sweep to McLaurin, and he came back around. It was actually a trap play to Carter. It only went for like two yards, but like there was, if he squirts by there, he's gone. Also, another play where they kind of motioned a bunch of people, and then there was Gibson and Carter in the backfield at one time. Uh, I think it was in the third quarter where they had one of those too. So they did some interesting shit. So it, it wasn't that like Scott just went in with like a you know three yards and cloud of dust game plan. There was just it's they have to get out of this nasty habit of letting teams kind of get out early and then us spend the rest of the day, the game clawing back into it. That's kind of annoying and we need to stop that, but there's time to do that. Uh, hopefully that comes, that takes place in our next contest against Buffalo. Uh, as we approach, as you mentioned, the close to the 1am mark over here, we'll put a pin on it um, at this point in the conversation and perhaps spend more of our energy, hopefully against after a W against Buffalo. Um, and for everyone else, thank you so much for listening. Um, I will be posting this on Friday, which is now. Um, and, uh, and we'll go from there. I still got two hours. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.